Next on BYU Sports Nation, surround yourself with greatness. New BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope working to do just that and on the verge of announcing his new staff. Avengers Week continues. What's the greatest endgame moment in BYU history as we present our top five last-second shots? Plus, NFL hopeful Corbin Kafusi on his current draft stock. He's in Studio B for some draft karma. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Wednesday, April 24th, wherever, however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Studio B buzzer beater, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, we always have a clock. So, like, you know, players... uh... In, in sports have a, a shot clock or a play clock or whatever. We've always got the clock. It's to our left right here. It's also kind of in front of us on monitor. So we're always thinking about the clock. we got to get de- we got to get out before the buzzer like Dame last night. Oh, incredible oh, night. Wow. Incredible night of sports overall. Have you ever been in a situation where you've taken the last shot on any level? Junior jazz, church ball? Oh, sure. I've missed all of them. Swish! <laughs> I can think of one well, that... Oh, oh, go ahead. ...that really hurts. Highest level of intramurals at BYU, my junior year. Division one. 2005, Division one. We are playing Brian Santiago. Mm-hmm. Associate athletic director here. And other members of the BYU basketball team that are no longer playing but are still in school, Eric Nielsen and such. They're clearly the best team in the division, okay? We're down one with 15 seconds to play. And I get a wide open look at the top of the key because my defender falls down. And I'm thinking, I'm going to hit this shot and we're going to win the Division One championship. Yeah. In and out, around. We lose by one. Santiago, <laughs> Nielsen, Boo. and the former BYU basketball players are the Division One champions. I thought of mine. After my sophomore year, we went and played in a tournament in Denver. Uh-huh. We're at Columbine High. Okay, Of all places. A year and a half after, yeah. We're like, ah. I, I take a shot with I take a shot with six seconds left down the baseline float in off the glass boom we take the lead swish the other team runs down the floor kid knocks down a three at the buzzer <laughs> that's the that's like the most clutch shot I ever yeah. had. yeah the buzzer beater that could have been this morning he ran a play for me to win the last game and in pickup and I missed three uh, oh it felt so good back iron felt good. Missed it. That's that, those are the ones that hurt. Are we on right now? Yeah, Did yeah, we, we are. Oh, on. We started the show. Nice. You're the buzzer beater specialist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know what not to do. Uh, so we've got some winning moments, unlike the two that you just heard from Jeremy and myself on today's show lineup, including Corbin Kafusi. What's the latest in his draft positioning? He's been working out for a handful of NFL teams. He's going to tell us what he's hearing from. Not just his agent, but from the people that really matter in the NFL. Our top five last-second shots based off of what Damian Lillard, former Weber State great, Heard of him. did for the Portland Trailblazers last night as he waves goodbye to Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Ah! And Bruce Brockbank, the men's golf coach, is back in Studio B to discuss Peter Quest and the future, the immediate future of the BYU men's golf team. Exciting stuff happening. We now present today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Sione Takitaki is a regular this time of year. Ranked the eighth best off-the-ball linebacker by Pro Football Focus. 
It's very specific. It is very specific. Taki Taki received an 88.6 grade for run defense, tied for 13th in the nation. Softball hosts Southern Utah tonight, 8 Eastern, on BYU TV Digital. The game will be streamed. Uh, you can watch it on the app or on the website. In the first matchup this season, the Cougars beat the Thunderbirds 14-3 in Cedar City. BYU women's track and field own the top-ranked 800-meter and 1,500-meter and 3,000-meter steeplechase oh. on the women's side. So well done, ladies. The men's team also has the top-ranked 10,000 meters decathlon and 3,000-meter steeplechase teams. Very nice. Uh, Robinson Invitational this weekend in pro. And former Cougar Taylor Cole has been optioned by the Los Angeles Angels to the AAA Salt Lake Bees. Cole has a 1.80 ERA and five innings pitched this season. He thinks he'll be back up with the big club at yeah. some point this season. No, he's a he's a good kind of late reliever yeah. uh, that can go multiple innings if you need him. He's he's really good. All rise and shove. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Surround yourself with greatness. It's the key to success and happiness in so many ways, and it is now being reported by Patrick Kinahan from the Zone Sports Network out of Salt Lake City, Utah, that Mark Pope, new BYU basketball head coach, is expected to name his assistants today or tomorrow, and they will be Chris Burgess, Cody Feger, and Nick Robinson out of Seattle. Jerem, what's your reaction to this report? I think those are three solid guys. Chris Burgess, obviously, a little history with BYU, didn't come here. Roger Reed said the statement, something like, hey, you're disappointing X amount of millions of Mormons, whatever. That whole story. Went to Duke, Utah. He's been at Utah Valley. uh, So that was as a player. Utah Valley as an assistant coach with Mark Pope. uh, Apparently is good at coaching big men. I like it. Cody Feger, um, not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but intimately familiar with not only BYU, but Utah, Utah State, Utah Valley. Uh, he's been in the game. His family is a, a family of coaches. I really like Cody. In, in fact, he's the best three-point shooter that doesn't play professionally I've ever seen in my life. I played pickup with him. He's awesome. I really like Cody. Nick Robinson is kind of a newcomer to this. Played at Stanford mm-hmm. after Mark Madsen. Uh, member of the church. Former head coach of Southern Utah. Went 28-90 there. He's been on staffs in a uh, more of an administrative role at Stanford and LSU. Had one assistant coach here at LSU. Last two seasons, he's been in the WAC competing against Mark Pope's crew at Seattle University. So a guy that's been a head coach, kind of an Ed, Ed Lamb type um, in terms of you know, that experience that he brings to the staff. So, uh, so I like it. Um, if, in fact, these are the three that will be the assistant coaches, two are holdovers from UVU and then someone else. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all by Burgess or Feger. Nick Robinson is a guy that was a little bit off of my radar as I was looking at all the potential candidates. But perhaps he wants that tie to BYU as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Well, being an assistant at BYU greater than being an assistant at Seattle. And, and right? there's that. It's, it seems like it is a move up for Nick Robinson. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I look at these three guys, and I, I'm familiar with Cody Feger. And he's been at BYU before. He understands the protocols here. And that's what Mark Pope needed to do was get guys in place that understand all of the little nuances, things that we're not going to talk about on this show and that the basketball coaches are not going to talk about, quite honestly, because they're annoying and it's red tape. And there are a lot of different things that BYU has to go through to get their guys in and make sure they stay in as they try and bring this program back to national prominence. Like there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that we don't talk about that we don't see. We just show up and we watch the basketball games and we react to what's happening on the court. He needs guys that can work in the minute details that are, can excel in all of the little difficulties. They probably have to know Excel. The well. hurdles that are presented to 
BYU and trying to get guys in the program. So I look at that and I think, okay, this this trio knows. They they should know other than Nick Robinson. But if Mark Popeslight likes Nick Robinson and they have uh, a relationship based on competing against each other in the WAC, then you got to go off of that. Now, we don't know the director of basketball ops. I was hoping for some diversity, frankly, on the staff. So I'm hoping that BYU uh, gets you know uh, uh, an African-American on the staff. I think that's important in recruiting and uh, just the, the – uh, the visuals of that. Right? Now, the director of basketball operations has that title, but could also be somebody that is more of a coaching role in that uh, Dobo position. So can, can be. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. You also need them to book the hotels and whatnot. Sure. Who knows? <laughs> Yesterday, football offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes joined us, and he had this to say about the strongest position group on offense out of spring ball. I'd give the nod to the receivers. I think those guys had a had a great spring. Fessy did a tremendous job coaching and developing them, and and that without Aleva being a part of the group, who who's probably um, uh, one of our top overall playmakers from a year ago. Spencer, do you agree? I do agree. After talking with Fessy Satake and Jeff Grimes, and having watched the spring football portions that I did, I think that the wideout group not only is understandably excelling, but I think that they were the group that made the most, uh, the biggest jump, if you will, in, in spring ball. And maybe that's because they are so experienced. I think there are a bunch of guys in there that have played in multiple games and made big catches. And he brought up a Hifo, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Aleva Hifo with 358 yards is the top returning wide receiver for BYU. So as good that, as I feel about the group, I know. Number. As good as I feel about the group, yeah. boy, it's shocking to look at that number as the top receiver. So I think that we need a couple of guys to step forward as the leaders of this group and get over that 500-yard per season mark, right? This group has not been good enough. If BYU's going to have an explosive no offense, you've got to have guys like Alevi Hippo yeah. going for five or at least 600 yards. Here's my concern. BYU doesn't have the big, tall receiver that can make a play in traffic. They have a lot of good, like solid, good hands run down the field, some game-breaker guys. Alevi Hippo, Gunnar Romney, Mike Simon, Talon Shumway, Neil Paul. I think that's a quality group. Yes. But in, in, in August and September against the, the big four, this group needs to show that they can make plays against solid D1 top 30 cornerbacks. Okay? To me, the answer is the offensive line, mm. the strongest group. Uh, perhaps the wide receivers make the biggest jump because they have the biggest jump to make, right? But the offensive line returns four starters, six guys that have started. This is the strength of the offense. Quarterback, perhaps, if we had seen Zach Wilson healthy in spring, would be the answer to this. Had we seen Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson thrive, we'd say, oh, quarterback, quarterback. To me, the O-line is the key. If BYU is going to win at least two games in the first four, the offensive line has to be really good. And I thought through three quarters at... Utah, the offensive line was fantastic, being able to run the ball. If you can't run the rock, you're relying on Zach Wilson's legs. Now you're, putting, you're exposing him, potential injury. He's a little more tired when he comes back to the line to try and make a throw um, in the pocket and, and dance around. The O-line, to me, is the strongest position group on offense. All right. Well, if that's the case, if the offensive line and the wide receivers are the two strongest groups, <laughs> and you have Zach Wilson coming back I'm from hoping surgery, quarterback is hoping the he's okay, strongest then, group. then yeah. you have some, uh, some fun toys to play with in the toolbox if you're Jeff Grimes, for sure, right? In the toy box, I should say. 
You know, it, it's it's always hard in spring football because it's so limited. Like we only see so much of well, a limited period of time. So we yeah. ha- we need. We, it's almost like we need to rely on what the offensive coordinator yeah, and the position yeah. coaches are saying. And you know who's coming back? There's not a lot of kind of new life in the receivers because they have a lot of good players. I would argue that a healthy Matt Bushman and Moroni Lauluputitao by themselves could make them the best position group on offense. As the well. tight end group. I think those are your. Uh, you, I would say Zach Wilson's probably the top offensive player that BYU has, and then I would argue that. MLP and Bushman are two and three right there. Yeah, I cannot wait to see. And this is the fun part of the buildup towards game number one is the positioning on the depth chart for who's going to be the number one running back and who are going to be the starting receivers and all of that. It's fun to watch that unfold all before it really matters. Jeremy, how many days? Countdown to the youths. 127. 127 days to be exact before it really gets interesting. And we'll see how good that offensive line is coming off of uh, an off season uh, of what we think is improvement under Jeff Grimes. That's new, the new line coach. too. Yeah. And a new line Eric coach, Mateos. Eric Mateos. What's he going to do? All right, Jerem, last night we witnessed an epic shot in the NBA playoffs. Uh-huh. Damian Lillard stepped back. From approximately 37 feet away over Paul George to clinch the first-round NBA Western Conference playoff series against the Thunder and silence his critics across the way in Oklahoma City. That got us thinking, okay, Lillard's shot was incredible. What's the best endgame moment, it's Avengers Week, in BYU sports history? It's Danny Ainge. It's 1981. March 19th, BYU versus Notre Dame in the Omni in Atlanta. BYU's down, eight seconds to go, 50-49. Kelly Trapuca just made a jumper. It was a tough shot to put uh, Notre Dame up. Then he cramped up, by the way, right after that. After a timeout, Ainge gets the ball, goes coast to coast, behind the back, lays it up over Orlando Woolridge and in. Two seconds to go, Notre Dame doesn't even really get the shot off, sending BYU to the Elite Eight. There have been great shots in BYU history. In basketball, in in football, golf, soccer, whatnot, none of them were on this stage against that team. One time, I counted how many NBA draft picks there were in this game, and granted, the draft went ten. It's like rounds. seven, right? The, combined, there were like ten or twelve. Whoa, even more on than both that. teams. Granted, the the draft is two rounds now. This is the greatest shot in this context in BYU sports history. So good. And there have been a lot of great ones, but the context has never been better than this. To get to the Elite Eight, and BYU's not been back since. The brilliance of this shot by Ainge, and I've heard Orlando Woolridge talk about this, is he floats it up above the rim, and if it gets blocked, it's going to be goaltending, and BYU's going to win anyway. So in that moment, he's thinking, I want to block this, but I can't. So it's kind of like, checkmate in multiple ways where the shots above the rim BYU is going to win whether the shot obviously it went in but if it gets blocked it's goaltending and BYU wins anyway and he went around every single defender incredible by himself yeah in the basketball context that is hands down I'm saying in all context shot really yes the greatest end it's to the get to the elite game moment yeah okay let me rewind not too far before that to 1980 in late December. Jim McMahon and BYU are trying to break the bowl game snub. The Cougars have been the WAC champions. They've climbed that ladder. They've bested Arizona State in the mid-70s to finally get there. And they haven't 
won a bowl game yet, however. They only lost like three. Lavelle Edwards said that he felt more pressure going into this game against SMU in 1980 than he did the national championship game. BYU's getting throttled again, down 20, under four minutes to play. They rattle off 21 points in under four minutes, including a 53-yard pass, if you count where Jim McMahon was actually throwing the ball from, into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown as time expires. That, to me, is clearly the greatest end-game moment in BYU athletics history. It ended the bowl game snub. BYU finishes in the top ten. Jim McMahon becomes that much more of an icon in BYU athletics history. This was much needed for the program and the way they did it. I mean, Talk about the most incredible comeback oh, ever. Oh, it was amazing. And we're both right here. These are both <laughs> awesome, man. Like, back to Harleen, you throw in there. They're, like, to me, those are the three, the, the, the triumvirate of great, great elite finishes, right, in BYU sports history. So good. So good. 45 to 25 Both with three before we were born. to play. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, to me, that's, that's the I was the watching answer. in heaven, and I was like, ah! <laughs> Awesome. It may have taken something heavenly to make yeah, that happen. I might have been there, like lifting Seriously, the ball up, yeah, like blocking the, the punt. There's, there seems to have been uh, maybe, just maybe, some divine. Because during that time that. with SMU, there were no angels on their side. Oh, they were cheating. They're cheating with the their stable of running backs, Eric cheat their way Dickerson and Craig James. Yeah, yeah, cheat all you want. You still lost to BYU in the Holiday Bowl in 1980. Well, BYU was ranked. They were really good. <laughs> a question of the day. What's the best end game moment? It's Avengers Week in BYU ah! sports history. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Lawless Republic on Twitter. Hey, Lawless Republic. Now, this is a new age answer. BYU Boise State 2015. First, mm-hmm. BYU destroyed the Boise defense with the Jurgens Hail Mary, and then the BYU defense destroyed the Boise offense with Kainakua's pick six. Oh, yeah. That, I, like, I thought the rapture was going to happen in that moment. <laughs> like, it was unbelievable. On the, that's a week after Nebraska. So it's just like boom, boom, in a world of two Hail Marys. That's, it was awesome. In the last 10 years, that's probably the loudest I've heard Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yeah, it was definitely not uh, UMass two years ago, but it was, it was that game for sure. There have been some great moments. By the way, in the game with uh, SMU, BYU ranked 14th, SMU 19th. So BYU was probably the favorite Top in that game, too. Top 20 yeah, showdown. Pretty awesome. Oh, man. It was really important for BYU to win that game. Coming up, Corbin Kafusi's in studio. What does he expect this weekend with the NFL draft or potential free agency? And what has it been like for him getting ready for the NFL draft while having to rehab as well? He's balancing a lot of stuff. This got, BYU Sports Nation. Got that post-BYU beard going, of course. Yes, he does. It looks great. <laughs> it looks great. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight, the nation's number two leader in active career RBIs, Libby Sugg and the BYU Cougars host Southern Utah, 8 Eastern on BYU TV Digital. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. And joining us now in Studio B for some NFL draft karma is Corbin Kafusi. What's up, Corbin? Longtime friend of the program. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a minute. Hey, you look great. This is the (laughs) post-BYU beard. Uh, the, the hair's flowing. It's, I mean, this is this is a good look for you. I like it's this. Long, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be that group of guy that you know does the thing, but then it's just 
It's too tempting. Hey, it just hey. happens, right? Four yeah. years of no shit, you're exactly. having to shave. And oh, yeah. yeah. This is like... Oh, this is like a day. No. <laughs> it's like a lumberjack over here. <laughs> it's one day's growth. Where did this come I from? I shaved this morning. This is crazy. Yeah. So we've been talking about Avengers all week, and uh, we just discussed greatest endgame moments. One, are you a Marvel guy? Do you oh, get yeah. into these movies? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, so you're excited about the Avengers endgame coming up. Oh, yeah. Okay, in your mind as a BYU fan, what's the greatest endgame moment that you've experienced or witnessed as a fan or player? Okay, mine mine is a no-brainer because I was at the game. I was a little kid, and some of those things were, you know, you always see those memes of, like, little kids that are crying at games. This was basically me at the BYU-Utah game when it was back to Harleen. And before, I remember it was just crushing, and I was like, we can't lose this game. Like, this is back when I cried over losing a lot more as a kid. <laughs> and then when that play happened, it was just the greatest thing in my life. Yeah. And we were sitting next to Utah fans. Like, we were right there on the front row across the way from Utah fans. So it was just best thing ever. How old were you? Shoot, I can't even remember how old I was. Oh, that's 06. It was 06. So, so do the math of uh, your oh, birthday. To the... I was, what, I was 13. 13. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're old. And, and no, I'm kidding. And you're pretty old. <laughs> seasoned. Was your dad the D-line? Yeah. D-line yeah. coach? So okay. was, yeah. yeah. So you were and fully And we had invested. switched over from Utah to BYU, so it always brought a little bit more. Oh, man. Especially as a kid. Right. Yeah. It, and here's the fun part about this. There have been some great moments. I mean, oh. recently, too. We were talking about 2015. Yeah. Um, and, and you were were you a freshman? On that team, 2015. Mitchell Jurgens. Oh, I was Boise I was State a in Nebraska. Player. Oh, you weren't even a football player. I was a basketball player. player. Yeah. So you watched from the stands. I was a fan. Yeah. Those were some crazy moments, oh, man. Yeah. Like Danny Ainge. They, those were like thirty plus years ago. In fact, right? the oh, basketball yeah. team might have been introduced during that BYU Boise State game. I'm oh, trying yeah, to I remember. Think we were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were on that. the field being introduced. Yeah. That, that was wild. Oh, so Spencer was saying that's the loudest he's heard the stadium in a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I wish I would, during your four, three other seasons it would have been would, louder, right? I would think it, yeah, it was pretty it was loud that moment. game. Yeah. It was insane. I'm trying to think of another moment, like, just because the way that that game built up and everything, and coming after the Nebraska, after Nebraska win, yeah. like, everyone and their dog was at that game, and so there I would were, say it was pretty loud. There were 80,000 people there. Yeah. Former BYU basketball player Corbin Cavusi <laughs> with us on BYU Sports Nation. He happens to play football, too, and oh, yeah, the NFL draft is uh, happening uh, in just a few days. What's your mentality and what are your emotions like as, as this uh, time approaches for you? I think for me it's just I'm excited to figure out what's the next step. You know, you kind of prep for this and just waited, and now it's like, okay, I'm sick of just sitting at home training on my own. Like I'm ready to go somewhere, have a little direction. So. You could literally be moving next week to any city – where there's a team, right? So it's oh, kind yeah. of like a nervous situation, right? Uh, more than nervous, it's exciting. Okay. Like, it's, it's kind of funny when I talk to people about it or people that don't know I play football. They're like, oh, you're just working right now? And I'm like, kind of. Like, <laughs> no. like, I'm like, oh, I'm moving soon. And they're like, where are you moving to? And it's I don't know. Somewhere. Could be Miami, Seattle, <laughs> could be anywhere. LA, New York, who knows? Yeah. Middle of the country. Yeah. So, so um, you played through some injuries mm-hmm. at the end of the season. You had surgery. Um, we didn't see it on pro day. So what, uh, post-pro day to now, kind of what's been the situation with your health and uh, your conversation with teams? I think it's just, you know, pro day I was planning on doing everything, and then last minute my agent and trainer were like, hey, let's just pull back, you know, no reason to 
one either re-injure and two if you get a bad time you don't want to be known for that time and I was like you know it was hard to swallow but it was like okay but now I'm just I've just been training since then and everything's back to full go been doing workouts with teams and stuff like that how, how many teams have you chatted with and what's that been like uh it's it's been interesting especially in the past few days you know as the draft gets closer like there's more calls and so I think yesterday there was probably seven teams that called wow yeah and like Two days ago was the same thing, and so I've probably talked to at least half, if not more than half, of the teams out there. Very nice. What are your numbers like uh, that you can report to them or you, that they have on film, on tape, and, and these workouts and whatnot? I think the biggest thing, the first question is, are you healthy and can you, are you 100%? I'm like, yes. And then if they want, like, I did some workouts and filmed it, and so my agent sends them film or I get them the contact for that. And they always ask, what's your weight, you know? But other than that, yeah, they don't ask any, they don't ask how high are you jumping right now. They're basically just, are you healthy? And how much do you weigh? <laughs> and and what's, the, what's the answer? We're healthy, and I'm around 278 right now, okay. 280. And, and what height do you give? Because on the basketball team, you're one thing, and on the football team, you're another. Oh, yeah, well, and the crazy thing was that pro day, when they measured me, like, my agent's like... Be as short as you can be. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you do that. Like, you're like, okay. Like, for years, my mom got mad at me for slouching. But uh, I think it was funny because I measured the day before on one of the official things, and I was like six nine and a half. And then when they came, I was like six eight and three quarters. And I was like so happy. I was like, I want to call my agent and be like. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm shorter. I did it. I don't know how I did it, yeah, but yeah. I did it. Exactly. It's been done. Exactly. So we were, um, and, and we talked about how inspired we were that you chose to play the Utah game, mm-hmm. right? And you didn't have to. Um, and you almost got it, right? And it was like, yeah. oh, man. And Corbin, like, you put it all out there. We really appreciate it. Do you feel like that's affected you at all in this process of that one extra week, or are you good in terms of your health? I think, I don't think it affected me really at all. In fact, it was funny because after surgery and then a little bit of recovery, I went back and to multiple see... Multiple surgeries, right? Yeah. Three? The, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so after the surgeries, I went and met with my ankle surgeon, who's amazing. He's the man. And he was like, you know, like we knew that you'd recover fast after the Utah game. And I was like, oh, why? And he's like, well, showing the way that you were able to move with it during the game, mm. like that shows your recovery and how like well your muscles will take to getting back into it. And so I think, if anything, like... Definitely didn't hurt me at all to play in the Utah game. It just gave me more to see on how I'd recover. BYU football defensive lineman and now NFL draft hopeful Corbin Kafusi with us on BYU Sports Nation. What's the ideal situation? Obviously, you want to get drafted, but if you don't get drafted, what, what then becomes the ideal situation for you? I think it's just, it's even more of a madhouse, you know, because if you get drafted, it's like, okay, I'm going here, that's it. But if not... It's kind of nice because you get to choose. And so even now, like my, right now my homework is to look at depth charts to see who's where. Because, you know, teams will offer, offer you money and whatnot. But it's all about making the team. You know, even if you're drafted late, you, there's no guarantee yeah, that you'll absolutely. make the team. So my agent's like, I, wanted, I want you to look at these five teams right now that have shown tons of interest. And look at their depth charts, see where you might fit. And that's kind of the thing because then, you know, it's a madhouse. The free agency is a madhouse because it's not, oh, where do I go? It's where do I want to go? Where do I fit best? Would you rather be picked in the seventh round or be a free agent? That is a hard question because, like, yeah, it would be nice to be drafted. But at the same time, you want to go where you're going to succeed. 
And you just hear way too many stories of guys that are great players, but they go to a system they don't fit in, and then they just, you know, they get out of the league. We've seen it recently with the likes of Kyle Van Noy. Yeah, right. You got to find the right fit. Yeah, it's all about the right fit. The NFL draft is the uninspired mission call. Because if you could pick, you would go a certain place, right? Um, And you guys both went to South Korea. I went to Brazil. You end up going, oh, that was great. That was great. I enjoyed it. But uh, you know, maybe not everyone feels the same. With free agency, yeah, you could you could choose. Yeah. Which, so did you grow up with a, a certain team that you liked? I know your dad played for the Eagles, right? Not really. Like I was I was never the sports kid in the family. <laughs> I was the weird kid where mom's like, let's send Corbin to art camp or something <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> let's did, not put him in AAU. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's send him to the rec center. <laughs> Even though you're the tallest guy. Yeah, of the, well, the oh, artistic yeah, right. is now coming out in your hair. and Yeah, uh, yeah no, we know, see that. That has great value as well. Out, I look a lot like Bob Ross. You know. <laughs> you're the Polynesian Bob Ross? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll film a few episodes. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks great. You could be in a New Testament video with the church I'm, or something if I'm you want. I'm going right? for that. I'm yeah. like, I would love to be in a church film. You, oh. you, you kind of have the you kind of have the Prince of Egypt look. Has uh-huh. anyone told you that? Oh, I get side by side comparisons all the time. Okay, like, yeah. Right now, you team, look yeah. like Moses in Prince of Egypt, the cartoon. Character. Yeah, yeah. Who's your doppelganger? <sighs> the, probably Moses. Like literally, I have two <laughs> teammates from BYU. Like I'll walk in and they're like, "Hey, Moses." And I'm like, hey. you want like a staff? Like yeah, just carry around like, like part of the sea yeah. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Curses on everybody. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so good. Corbin, great to have you with us. Um, let's uh, finish with this. Your former teammate, Sione Takitaki, has his draft stock rising. Uh, what have your conversations been like with him as he prepares for the draft and you both move forward? Oh, I love that, dude. Like, we've been working out, you know, when he's not traveling to teams and whatnot or we're not doing workouts, like, we'll work out here together. And it's he's the man. It's almost like having a brother. And so it's someone you've just struggled with, you've gone through everything with. Watching him get to this point and seeing his draft stock just rise because he's an incredible athlete, like you just get so excited for someone like that. And so I love that guy. He would be the shortest Kafusi brother. Well, he, right? he would be. <laughs> but he He'd could be, hang in the weight room with hang. you guys. Oh, yeah, he hangs. Oh, my gosh. For yeah. sure. Yeah, All exactly. right, the latest edition of Keeping Up with the Kafusi is available yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, we're really hoping to make it into that. So <laughs> yeah, if, we could, if we could make it into that, that would be great. So. <laughs> it's been a minute, but you know, we'll see what we can do. Let okay. me talk to the producers. No. Well, good luck with everything. Hey, thank Hopefully you. we see you drafted. If not, free agency, and uh, good luck next week. Just take some draft good. karma so you end up where you need to end up. Yes, sir. All right. I'll take it. Thanks, Corbin. Thank you. Coming up, in the spirit of Damian Lillard, the BYU top five last-second shots in BYU Hoops history. Okay, clearly Danny Ainge is in, but who else cracks the top five? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation continues in late April. Where'd the poly Bob Ross go? I have no idea. (laughs) But if you missed that interview with the poly Bob Ross... (laughs) a.k.a. Corbin Kafusi. You can download the podcast and listen to that entire combo. Great stuff. Five teams interested. We're going to see where he ends up in just a few days. That said, we now present today's BYU Sports Nation headlines again. Sione Takitaki, also in that NFL draft conversation, ranked the eighth best off-the-ball linebacker by Pro Football Focus. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Isn't every linebacker technically off the ball at the beginning of every play? Uh. <laughs> Taki Taki received an 88.6 grade for run defense, tied for 13th in the nation. Uh, what all this means is we think he's going to be drafted probably in the third or fourth round. Softball hosts Southern Utah tonight, 8 Eastern on BYU TV Digital. In the first matchup, Cougars beat the Thunderbirds 14-3 in Cedar City. 
The BYU women's track and field team own the top-ranked 800-meter, 1500-meter, and 3,000-meter steeplechase teams, while the men's team also has the top-ranked 10,000-meter decathlon and 3,000-meter steeplechase teams. Is there a non-3,000-meter steeplechase? I don't think so, right? I don't even know why they say the meters. It's just the steeplechase. Technicalities. I don't know. Former Cougar Taylor Cole has been optioned by the LA Angels to the AAA Salt Lake Bees. Cole has a 1.80 ERA in five innings this season. As advertised off the top of the show, we are going to present the top five last second shots in BYU basketball history. Because of Damian Lillard. Based on yeah. what Damian Lillard did last night for the Portland Trailblazers, so got good. the wheels spinning, and oh. there have been some epic moments in BYU basketball history. Now, we're talking last-second shots, game on the line, somewhere to win at the buzzer, somewhere like right near the buzzer. Yes. But these are some of the most epic finishes, the top five last-second shots. Starting with number five, rewind to 2003, Rafael Araujo and his game-winning shot against UNLV. Offensive glass, and they'll surround them with a lot of good shooters. Langston posted up left side. Little jumper. Yes. Mike Hall. Lemus. Dribbling. Underneath. Aliyusho. Yes. With one half of a second to go. And BYU wins it on the road. The delivery, the dish, the finish. Araujo is a big-time talent. Lemus totally controlled the game, not only on the perimeter, but on the post. Jerem, the Brazilian connection. Luis Lemus to Rafael Araujo at the buzzer now. I was in Brazil. Yes, you were. This game, maybe that's why it happened. Maybe that's why. Well, it, it mainly happened because uh, Luis drove and passed it to Huffhale. But no, yeah. no, let's make this let's let's make this spiritual, man. <laughs> you, you were working hard in Brazil, so yeah, okay. had nothing to do with it. All right, uh, the Brazilian were at, connection. Were you at that game? You said? I was at the game nice. wearing an ugly royal blue carpet, old school BYU sweater that matched with three of my college roommates nice. at the Thomas and Mac. That game solidified BYU's NCAA at-large tournament resume. I've never seen that play oh, until so today. Good. I, so I, good. I, I haven't seen it. That was awesome. Number four, Jimmer Fredette's halftime buzzer beater at Utah on 1-11-11. Mm. BYU by eight into Jimmer with four and with three and with two. Jimmer from 40 feet. Go! Maybe the greatest half of basketball ever for a BYU player. Now, this wasn't at the end of a game, but it's Jimmer and it's Utah and it's half court, so we threw it in there. 32 points in one half. I was under the basket. He made it. <laughs> yeah, shoot it. You were at that game. Number three, Lexi Rydalch against San Francisco as we rewind to 2015. This play made it all the way to number two on SportsCenter's top 10. I also happened to be on the call of this you game. You called Jared. this, yeah. Yeah. From half so why court, don't you just recreate it here? Okay, I'm going to try and do this live voiceover. 6.2 okay. seconds to go. Okay, so San Francisco ties it with a free throw. 6.2 to play. Amanda Wayman inbounds to Lexi Rydalch to half court with three and two. Good! I was a little bit higher than that in the moment, though. Off the glass, Rydalch. That was pretty good. The game winner. Oh, yeah, that was that was dope. Almost half court. Like, it's not. it's different when you're down and you make that shot. She's in the logo. She's literally in the logo. Damian Lillard's like, that is okay to shoot from that. That's fine. <laughs> awesome. Okay, number two, Kevin Nixon's half-court heave to oh beat goodness. UTEP for the 1992 WAC tournament title. He's caught in the corner. Seven. 
on the game clock. Scoops up the shot. Blocked by Close, but the follow by Maxi. Mishandle the ball. The clock runs out. They get it inbounds to Nixon. Fires one up at midcourt. Good! He threw it right in the goal, and they have tried to run a screen on the baseline, hoping to get the foul call. And I think he just felt like, well, I'm going to throw it up and hope that something good happens, and he throws it right in the goal. A great play by Nixon. He threw it right in the goal. Yes, he did. BYU called three timeouts before that play, and Russell Larson was subbed out, and Kevin Nixon came in. And it wasn't supposed to be for Kevin Nixon, but he nailed it. No, but they had practiced that shot. And the way the net pops up in that shot, like... Snip. I, I'm pretty Perfect. sure he ripped the net. Perfect. Perfect shot. And number one, not surprisingly, the play that Jerem Jordan spoke about about 30 minutes ago. Danny Ainge against Notre Dame in the NCAA Tournament Sweet 16. This to send the Cougars to the Elite Eight in 1981. Over the last four Brigham Young outings, Danny Ainge had scored... 124 points. There are eight seconds to go. Ainge against Paxson. Five seconds. Inside. Ainge scores for two seconds. One second on the clock. It is all over. It is all over. But it looked like Notre Dame was going to have Kelly Trapuca as the hero. The what hero's a great banner drive, is lost by Notre Dame. And the hero's banner goes to Danny Ainge. Greatest, greatest finish. Like, that's to get to the Elite Eight, man. Angels that averaging over 30 points a game in that NCAA tournament run with no three-point line. I do love that the analyst got so antsy. He's like, I want to say something. I want to say something. He just jumps in over the play-by-play. It's like, wait just a second. <laughs> wait a moment. That was fun. Top five last-second shots in BYU Sports history. Coming up, who gets today's rise and shout-outs? And BYU men's golf coach Bruce Brockbank. On Peter Quest. Is he going to be in the PGA Tour, like, tomorrow? (laughs) Tomorrow? (laughs) He's got to go to the WCC Championships. This is BYU Sports Nation. We need him tomorrow! BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest and greatest BYU Sports Nation right now, it's an Easter Egg Hunt BYU Sports Edition. Check it out on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and IGTV. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. It's Avengers Week. So what is the best endgame moment in BYU sports history? At We Are The Maces. Tweet in. When BYU beats Utah in. Cue the countdown. (laughs) It has been 3,434 days since BYU has come off as conqueror. So that will be the greatest endgame moment. When the Cougars beat the Utes in football again. It's been that long. I know. It's brutal. 3,434 days between potential wins. Let's not dwell on that. In fact, let's dwell it's on... It's that long? Let's dwell on oh a current gosh. winner. Bruce Brockbank, golf coach for the men's team at BYU on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Coach, congratulations on the Ping Classic victory last weekend. Um, I know you're the host of that, but man, Peter Quest and your boys did some work, and you're positioning nicely for uh, a nice run here at the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we're excited. The guys, uh, I mean, Peter, he's been playing great all year long. And uh, for him to do that at home was, uh, you know, obviously it helps the team. But, you know, he just continues to have a year. Like, uh, it's been a long time since we've had that. You compare him to the greats of, uh, you know, the Johnny Millers, Bobby Clampett, those guys that have won a lot of tournaments. 
That's those are some incredible names you just compared him to. He shot 17 under. He plays Riverside a lot, but it was great that he went in there and dominated. And not just him. Uh, you had to have a good team effort to win this tournament. Your second of the season: Carson Lundell, Chad Hardy, Rhett Rasmussen, Brock Stranger, Austin. Uh, is it is it Bands, Bonds, Kelton Hirsch? Yes. Those those guys played well as well. It was a good team win as well. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, our guys stepped up when they needed to. You know, Peter kept us in there his, the first two rounds. And then uh, all of a sudden, the last six holes, when we really needed to go, the guy stepped up and uh, made a bunch of birdies. Coach, you bring up the five individual tournament titles this season for Peter Quest, and you compare him to the likes of Johnny Miller. Where does his season performance rank all time in the annals of Cougar Golf? It's, uh, it's very high up there. I mean, we've been talking about it. Uh, Coach Miller and myself have been talking about it for you know, when he won in Hawaii, How, you know, what is the record? And, uh, you know, the, I think there's a few guys when Carl was around, I think there was a few guys that won five, six, seven tournaments in a year. Bobby Clampett was probably one of those, but I, I don't, uh, five is, uh, is really good this day and age for sure. There's certainly work to do at the West Coast Conference Championships, which begin tomorrow in Stockton, and you're on your way there uh, today, I imagine, if you're not there already. But, yep. um, and then the NCAA Championships, of course, but uh, is this guy going to be a uh, pro next year or what? No. Keep that under the radar. <laughs> we don't want any part of that. We, we want this kid to uh, be, be wearing a uniform next year. So you, you just keep that under your hat. But, you know, there is a possibility of that. And if he continues to play well, um, you know, that, that is something that, you know, that's why you go to school is to find yourself, a, you know, a good job for you can provide with your, for your family. And, uh, you know, if he gets an opportunity, I'm sure his ears are going to be listening. Women's golf coach Carrie Summerhays-Roberts joined us on the show yesterday and talked about a conversation she had with Peter Quest not too long ago, asking him uh, at Fox Hollow, uh, a nearby course uh, in Utah County, you know, what's the best part of your game, Peter? And he smiled and said, all of it. What, what, is it, what is it about Peter that uh, gives him that type of confidence and makes him so tough to beat? You know, you don't find many guys like that. He is so committed to what he's trying to do, uh, and that's to, you know, not only be a successful Division One golfer, but to play at the next level. And, uh, you know, that's what he does every day. So, I mean, I can tell you the strengths of his game, but that's the beauty of him. It's uh, everything, and, and uh, he's pretty strong at every aspect of the game. WCC championships uh, in Stockton start tomorrow. Should be really compelling because Pepperdine's ranked 18th, BYU's ranked 30th. It feels like uh, there's some good teams in the mix, but you're going to have to take down the waves to get the championship, right? We're going to have to, you know, as you always say, you, you set up at the beginning of the year to try to get a conference championship, and, and uh, there's a lot of great teams, so you better step up and play your best stuff. Now, the margin of error is so slim in golf, and so when you, when you go through those ups and downs in tournament play as a team, how do you keep your, uh, your guys mentally strong when, when the putts aren't dropping? And, and you know you're not entirely out of it, but you know that the pressure is mounting. You know, there's there's a lot of luck involved as well. But, uh, you know, you pride yourself every day to go and, and uh, compete and try to be, uh, you know, uh, whether it's chipping or putting or whatever it is, you, you just teach them to uh, be as good as they can be under pressure. And you hope that they uh, hit the shots when they're called on. What does your group do best collectively? Our group? Yeah. I would have to say, you know, we haven't been recently, but we drive the ball really well. 
pretty straight, and we're pretty good putters. Uh, but the straightness has kind of uh, left us for a little while, and hopefully we'll get it back for the next month. Coach, we're going to give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the next month so that uh, you can straighten some of those things out. It's been really fun to watch Peter and your guys, and congratulations again on that Ping Classic victory. Thanks so much. Sure appreciate it. You got it. Bruce Brockbank on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Peter Quest is the best at his sport at BYU. He is the best. He's going to play on the PGA Tour one day. He is fantastic. Now, like, BYU, it's been so fun to watch his career. Yeah, BYU encountered this situation with Daniel Summerhays yes. in 2006. I, yeah, I, I was. Uh, you and I were in school when he was as well, and he was doing things that were like, whoa. Yeah. So we're seeing that. He was a junior, yeah, and he ended thing. up uh, leaving early. He left BYU early. <laughs> Bruce, don't get that out there. It's like, <laughs> Bruce, like sorry, no, no, Bruce. Keep it under the his cap. His play is doing the speaking. It's uh, not going to be me. Yeah. Blame it on Peter for winning five tournaments yeah. in a season. I blame you for being great. <laughs> Coming up, a flashback to the days of Damian Lillard in the Marriott Center. And a throwback to a different hairstyle in the rise and shout-outs. This is BYU Sports Nation. I'm guessing that's me. <laughs> Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation and a shout-out to today's guest, Corbin Kafusi. Future NFL player, at least we think he's going to be, and Bruce Brockbank, the head coach of BYU Men's Golf. The show's on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Cougars in the draft. Pro football focus ranks Sione Takitaki as the eighth best off-the-ball linebacker. We don't really know what that means. Takitaki received an 88.6 grade for run defense, which is tied for 13. Softball. The ladies host Southern Utah tonight at 8 Eastern on BYU TV Digital. The game will be streamed as well on BYU TV Digital platforms. Multiple ways to watch it. In the first matchup this season, the Cougars beat the Thunderbirds 14-3 in Cedar City. Track and field. Women's team owns the top-ranked in the country, 800, 1500, and steeplechase. And the men's team has the top-ranked 10K, decathlon, and steeplechase. Very nice. Cougars in the Major League. Taylor Cole has been optioned by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim to the AAA Salt Lake Bees. In five innings for the Angels this season with the big club, Cole has a 1.80 earned run average. Today's rise and shout-outs now. I'm leading off with our friend Shireen, BYU Sports Nation viewer, at WearBlue1 on the Twitter machine for posting a retro pic of Jerem Jordan circa 2013. The thumbnail image... On Dish Network currently has a picture of Jerem with an older hairstyle and no top button. <laughs> this is a long time ago. Uh, at, L, at L underscore buzzard also adds to this picture. It's more of a top button issue. That pick is not a true representation of the Jerem we all know and love. Uh, yeah, I was a better person back then. <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, why is on Dish our, uh, our picture? One, it's just me. It should be both of us. Well, it's the same situation on DirecTV as well. Yeah, it's just you. It will go back from... They switch it up like every six months where it goes... They do? It's either just Spencer or it's just Jerem. Apparently, they've been getting my Venmos. That's great. (laughs) My rise and shout-out goes to uh, Damian Lillard. Played at Weber State, of course. uh, Played against BYU. Played on the Marriott Center. Played on BYU TV Mm -hmm. the year after your boy, Jimmer Fredette. In fact, Lillard led the country in scoring uh, on BYU TV. We're showing video of Lillard on BYU TV against BYU in the Marriott Center doing work. This guy is from East Oakland, fears nothing, went to Weber State, off the radar, goes to the Blazers, and has been quietly just been gone about his business in an amazing way. He's the anti-Russell Westbrook. He doesn't say next question. He 
thoughtfully and tactfully responds and what? respects people. What? He's very likable. And last night he hit this huge shot, right, to end the series against the Thunder. Shout out to Damian Lillard, who we uh, got to see in person in the Marriott Center several times. Yeah, uh, so he throws down a dunk if uh, you're watching uh. on BYU TV, and they're down by 30. But he's still playing hard. Yeah, he, by the way, he was sick that night. Oh, of course. He was sick and he, he was doing that? Yeah, he was sick in that game. Good grief. <laughs> Well, I think he's uh, feeling just fine now. <laughs> yeah, Russell Westbrook is sick yeah. of losing in the yeah, first West, round. Westbrook's the yeah. one that's feeling sick today. Next question. Our question of the day is, what is the best endgame moment in BYU sports history? Part of our Avengers Week buildup at DSTOT 50 Answers. I think Beck to Harleen probably is the best one, but being in the middle of The Rock and watching Mangum's second miracle against Boise State and then rushing the field after beating Boise was pretty fantastic. I'll remember those three plays forever. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. J.D. McKell on Facebook. As amazing as Beck to Harleen was, he's still open, the Miracle Bowl ended on a Hail Mary after coming back from being down 20. Yes. There's, like, we're both right in our answers. (laughs) Both those plays are unbelievable, man. Eric Nelson answers. But not Eric Nielsen. Nope, Eric Nelson. Not the Eric Nielsen that beat me in the Division I Intermills Championship. Elbow jumper. Against your rival in their own backyard, hands down, it's Beck to Harleen. Yeah, it was in Salt Lake City, too. For rugby, it's Johnny Linehan's dropkick to claim the national championship over rugby powerhouse Cal. At Southfield. That was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. We should mention, by the way, uh, we're not on tomorrow. It's commencement, graduation. Yes. So if you're wondering, like, oh, what's the show? We just don't have a show tomorrow. We're being punished for uh, running a 30-for-30 style of 4th and 19, so they took they us like, off the tomorrow. like, you know what? Tomorrow. That's enough. <laughs> You're done Speaking for of that Johnny one day. Rugby. Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, celebrating 50 years from at Twig Stone. Miracle Bowl. Four minutes left. BYU down 20. People leaving the stadium because you cannot win in that situation. Then a touchdown, onside kick, touchdown, and a blocked punt. Then on the third try, you connect on a Hail Mary. This is the stuff of legends. So good. Like, that play will live on forever. And Jim McMahon is the man. He is the man. He's the McMahon. I love it. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time for you. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag... BYUS. Now that's a 30 for 30 we should do. The 1980 Miracle Bowl. Oh, don't get me started. There are a million stories we should tell. Ooh, we next... tell them on the show here. Yes, we do. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Bobby Clampett. See you tonight for softball on BYU TV Digital at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain. Cougars hosting Southern Utah. Go Cougs.